passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. We're in the midst of May, and May is good fishing. Last month, last week, we talked uh, on here on the uh, Bite Me Texas Saltwater Fishing Podcast about the best months to fish, and so hopefully you're going to have a really, really good month in May and get going and get some fish uh, in your boat, in your kayak, uh, on your stringer if you're wade fishing or on the shoreline. And hopefully you'll uh, continue to to subscribe to the Bite Me Texas Saltwater podcast. I am John Lopez. That is the one and only Captain Scott Null. And this is the best in Texas inshore and offshore insight uh, on the Bite Me podcast. Thank you so much. I do it every week because I really, really mean it. Thank you so much for subscribing to this podcast. It's uh, gone through the roof, and uh, we really, really enjoy doing it. It's the next best thing to being on the Water the Bite Me podcast. Subscribe today. Uh, if you're already a subscriber, you got the notification when this posted, and uh, we appreciate that. If you're not, if you just clicked on or clicked through or got a link through Facebook or whatever, appreciate it. If you can, uh, go ahead and uh, subscribe. We promise it's going to be fun. We get uh, we get a lot of fun uh, out of this and interacting with you guys. How do we interact with you? What are we going to talk about today? Well, you can reach us, CaptainScottNull.com. Probably better on the website or Facebook for him. And for me, Facebook or any of the other social media, Lopez on Sports uh, on Twitter and Lopez on Sports on Instagram. All right, here's what we got going today. Hopefully we'll get to it, but we get we get into some really fun discussions, so sometimes we don't get to all the topics when we push them back to the next week. Like last week, we didn't get into uh, when, it was a question from a listener, when to use bucktails and blades uh, on your uh, artificial baits. Uh, the blades, obviously, is, is more of a red fishing thing, so I'm going to toss that to to Captain Scott here in just a bit. Learning to fish new baits. Um, got this question from uh, 
a listener as well says, I want to learn how to throw, and I forget the exact bait, let's just say Topwater or a new brand of Topwater. What is the strategy there? Uh, so here we go. That's uh, We'll tell you about that and our thoughts on that. Surf fishing strategies. I know we've touched on per- particular uh, aspects, different aspects of surf fishing in the past. Uh, we'll dig into that a little bit. But I want to spend a lot of time on Red Snapper. Uh, Captain Scott is plugged into the industry. It is Red Snapper season right around the corner. What, June, right? June 1st. Yeah, June 1st is going to be starting. Uh, so we'll get you uh, some thoughts on that, on uh, Red Snapper season. Another one that I know Captain Scott's going to be uh, good on, and uh, I've got my thoughts as well, how to improve casting distance. Why do you need necessarily to improve casting distance? Got a couple a couple of other things on uh, on the line, no pun intended as well, but let's start and dig in, and let's get some uh, good old fishing talk going here uh, on the Bite Me podcast. Uh, we, I took a long weekend of fishing, which is uh, generally what I do when I take a long weekend this past weekend. Uh, I know you, uh, you've been booking uh, trips, uh, and if people want to book with you, they, I just said where they can get a hold of you. But May, May is generally a good month, and I got this question, Captain Scott, and I thought of you uh, when, when they said blades. All right. So when should I use bucktails on my, you know, obviously on my, uh, as a tail on, on my artificial bait, when should I use blades, how many blades, et cetera? Let's start with the blades. That's a redfish thing. How, what's your, do you have different philosophies on size and when and how many? A lot of people use more than one. You're talking about spinner baits. Yeah. Yeah. Like a bass style the, the blade. spinner bait with yeah. a blade. Um, I use it when there's a lot of shad in the water. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm making the flash and uh, attracting them over based on the flash. And the the spinner bait blade kind of looks like a little school of fish. Mm-hmm. School of a little sun reflects stuff. off of it. Right, it's all reflected. Yeah. Uh, and then dirty water, like real dirty water, uh, like with all the rain that we've had. Mm-hmm. And we've got some dirty water in places, but there's still redfish in there because they'll, they'll live in that fresh water. Yeah. Uh, but the water's off color. And so those blades uh, use a little bigger, deeper blade mm-hmm. on dirty water because it thumps more. Right. It, it makes more of a vibration. Uh, we used the heck out of them when we were fishing a redfish cup mm-hmm. and uh, fishing different marshes. And we'd be in a little off-color water. We're not sight casting. Uh, what I found with blades is in sight casting situations, I don't hardly use them anymore right. because I'm in Port O'Connor now. Right. When I was in Galveston, I used them a lot. Mm-hmm. Dirtier water. Dirtier water, a little off color. Uh, I think in fresh, in clear water, like I'm in down there mm-hmm. over the grass flats, mm-hmm. I've seen redfish just turn tail and run. And I think it's because it's too much. It's it's a piece. It's like throwing a wrench in the water. Yeah, I mean it's it's <laughs> like what is that? Yeah, it, there's, there's too much involved there. It, mm-hmm. it uh, it's too invasive. Yeah, and into their space, I guess. Right. Uh, so low light, I would guess, would probably be okay mm-hmm. you know, if you were on a, on a flat. But I'm throwing top waters when it's like that. So <laughs> you don't even really. Maybe I'm wrong, but I seem to remember you don't really throw a lot of spoons. Uh, I don't, yeah. but my wife does. Right. She's a spoon queen. She throws a quarter ounce <laughs> silver Which minnow. is good. Smaller. The, it's the silver minnow. It's, mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. They call it the Johnson silver minnow, mm-hmm. but it's gold. Yeah. She uses a gold and a, and a quarter ounce around here. And then when we go to Louisiana, she uses the half ounce. 
if I don't have some gold spoons in the boat, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm in the doghouse. So I always have a bunch of gold spoons mm-hmm. rigged up and ready. People say you can't go wrong with a gold spoon. I've used it, them. I think I prefer a gulp and a popping cork for redfish. It's been a standard for yeah. as long as I can remember throwing mm-hmm. a gold spoon. Mm-hmm. It just works. It does. It, uh, it absolutely works. Um, the other thing is, the other part of his question was bucktails. And I kind of kicked myself when I saw this question because just two weeks earlier when I got this question, I was in no man's land uh, in terms of bait and signs and stuff. And I was just trying to figure out where to, where to throw. So the, the question was, when do you use bucktails? And I've, I've done this in the past and I didn't think to do this, this is my point, And I should have. I was in some shallow water uh, and it looked as if... Uh, you know, I was throwing a light a light jig head. I usually throw like a quarter ounce. And I was throwing an eighth or a sixteenth or a real light jig head. That's when I put a bucktail on. And the only reason I do is because I think you feel the bottom better. You know, you know what I mean. Right. Uh, I, I, I think that. it's it's just a little more fan tailed. You know, yeah. and a lot of people use bucktails for flounder. That, that's a, that's almost or, or some sort right. of tail, some sort of a tail for flounder. And, and they're pretty popular offshore too. Yeah, exactly. And they're offshore, but yeah. like in terms of bay fishing. I, I don't I think just use your confidence bait as we always say, but I have put a bucktail on or used a fish with a, uh, a bait with a bucktail because I'm throwing a really light jig head and I want to be, just be able to feel the bottom more maybe for flounder or whatever. But I think mm-hmm. it works for just about anything. It's just a better way to to feel the line more more so than what it looks like. It's what you're feeling in my view. I mean they're they've been around forever and they've mm-hmm. caught fish forever. Yeah, so I mean they'll still work. Uh, it's just not something that's in my yeah my i don't I, I don't use them a lot but when i got yeah. the question i'm like ah, i should have done that the other yeah. day i should have yeah. done that the other day i didn't think like we always say you're always learning on the water and you need to uh you need to remember that and and, and remember things that you've uh that, that that you've used in the past all right the other question we had before we get into red snapper is uh learning to fish new baits and what uh, this gentleman was telling me uh via an email and by the way, you can email me uh, as well. It's john.lopez at intercom.com with an E. Um, he goes, I've got this bait that looks really interesting. I've been told it catches fish. You guys talk about confidence. I just don't have confidence. How do I How do I approach that? Um, give me your thoughts. I have a couple myself. If it's a subsurface bait and you fish Galveston, you're not fishing clear enough water to see what it does underwater, go to the swimming pool. Mm-hmm your buddy's swimming pool, wherever, uh, your own. Uh, Throw it out there, count it down, see how fast it sinks. Uh, Know the depth in Mm -hmm. that pool is three feet at at that shallow end. Uh, Count it down, see how long it took it to get down there to three feet. Yep. Uh, You know, lead lead jigs can go down pretty quick, uh, depending on what kind of soft plastic you put on it. Mm -hmm. But it varies quite a bit based on that soft plastic how big it is how bulky it is right Um, so you want to know how how fast it sinks then uh, working it underwater Mm -hmm. and see how it works do with a a quick quick twitch Mm -hmm. Uh, see how it works do a walking the dog underwater do a you know do a series of quick twitches mm-hmm. and see if it darts side to side right and then you'll get a better feel for what that bait's doing underwater when you can't see it uh, it, top waters, it doesn't matter. You know, you can you can learn those out on the bay because uh, you can see them. Right, uh, and and you want it to skip side to side for the most part and do the the little the Zara spook walking the dog mm-hmm. thing. Uh, 
those are probably the the easiest ways to learn a new bait as far as what it does. Uh, now, as far as getting confidence in a new bait, yep. you need to wait until uh, you can throw it and play with it. But if you don't have the confidence in it, you're probably not going to stick with it very long. Mm-hmm. But when you do finally get into your fish and you're you're hammering them on your favorite bait, now go pick that bait yep. up and throw it in there and see what you can do. And not necessarily birds, because birds, right. they'll eat anything. Um, but it's so, I'm so glad you said that, because I had something I, I was thinking about when I saw this question that I want to add to. But yeah, like let's say you get into some fish on a drift, you know, and you feel like, okay, that's pretty good, or, you're, or whatever you're doing, you know, whatever mm-hmm. kind of, on the shoreline, waiting, whatever, switch it to that bait. You know, not when they're just eating everything, but when you actually have to work a bait to get a fish. Right. Do it then. And the other thing was this, Scott, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, but I've done this in the past, and I'm, I, I was trying to remember, I was actually on my phone while I was listening to you, trying to find the exact lure that it was. I, I forget what lure it was that came out about six or eight years ago. It was, it was one of those slow-sinking soft baits, but it wasn't the Paul Brown or any of those. They've been around forever. It was another one. And I'm like, hmm, I'm going to try that. So I, I was out, and it was about this time of year, probably in the springtime sometime, and I just told myself, that's all I'm throwing today. That one bait. That you know, maybe a different right. maybe I'll change colors. Uh, but like if there's a bait that you want to try, whether it's a slow sinking, uh, you know, some sort of a, a plug or or top water or a new bait, just make yourself throw I'm not maybe maybe you're gonna lose confidence and maybe you're more into wanting to catch a bunch of fish, you know, with yeah. your old bait and, and temptation. It depends on what your goals are. Yeah, it depends on what your goals are. But if my goal was I'm gonna learn this one because it was a little different type of bait and I, I can't remember what it is. I wish I could remember. And I and I went out in the morning and when I came back I'd throw them that one bait all day long. And mm-hmm. and, and you know and so you kind of feel you gain confidence that way. Sure. You know what I mean? If if you if you wanna if you wanna learn how to throw a bait, throw it. The worst time to use a new bait mm-hmm. is on a bad day. Yes. I mean, okay, you've been throwing your favorite bait all day long and you've been trying you've been bouncing around using your, your top fives and you haven't caught anything. I mean mm-hmm. you've got a couple bumps here and there, but you just hadn't caught anything. And then you say, Well, I'm just gonna try this thing because it's sitting in my tackle and box. It doesn't work. I've never liked it. I've never really, you know, I don't even know why it's in my tackle box. And you put that one on, and of course, it doesn't catch fish either. Mm-hmm. So that's a terrible time to try something. No, because nothing, color nothing's new, catching. Nothing's working. Uh, so that's the worst time. The best time for me mm-hmm. would be when I'm already on some fish. Right. I've got fish in the area. I know that they're feeding. Uh, the guys with me are catching fish. And I want to try this thing out. Right. I want to see what it does. Right. That's a good way to do it. Like, let's say you're with two or three guys. And all of a sudden, he's caught a fish, and he's caught a fish. And even if you haven't, let's go ahead and put... Put on what you what you want to gain confidence in, and that's the way to to try out new colors too. Mm-hmm. You know, so many people are so you know, you and I aren't into a bunch of different colors. We don't have the rainbow, yeah, uh, in our soft plastics. <laughs> but some guys do, and pick up that oddball color that mm-hmm. you've never really thrown before. You don't even really remember why you bought it, and it's sitting in your box, right? Uh, pick that one up, put it on, and start throwing it. You may discover that it's one. It turns into one of your top five. Yeah, I just remembered the bait. Uh, it just you know how things just come to you all of a sudden i was yeah, listening the older to you I get, the more it, it, it was it was that. it was driving me nuts remember when the maniac mullet came out yep 
And that's been about I started s- to say that while ago when you were mentioning it. it, 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 it about Crazy s- Croaker and yeah. Maniac Mullet. It was about or six or eight, eight years ago, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Uh, and I remember, you know, I'd heard all these things about the Maniac Mullet. I went out one day and I was fishing Sabine that day. And, and I was out there six or eight hours. I was out there all day. I was like, dang it, I'm going to throw the mullet, the maniac mullet. I'm going to learn it. I'm going to throw it. I'm going to see how much different it is than a, than a corky or whatever. And, 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 and I did. And I don't remember if I caught any fish or not. But, <laughs> but, but, but if you want to learn how to throw a new bait, just commit to it. My guess is it, it didn't work out. I, I, I would have remembered fish, right? <laughs> You'd still have them in your box. I, I'd still, yeah, I'd, I'd have remembered it. But I think that's what it was. But, but anyway. I did the same thing with fly fishing. Yeah. For years, I wanted to learn to fly fish. I mean, I worked at it, and I cast, and I practiced, and I did all that. Mm-hmm. And I'd go down to South Padres way before I was guiding. And I'd run down to South Padre with a buddy or Camille or something. We'd be going to stay down there four or five days. Mm-hmm. And I'd bring the fly By rod. God, you're bring- <laughs> I'm bringing the fly rod, and I'm going to catch some fish on this fly rod. Yeah. And I'd get down there, and the wind was blowing a little too much for me. And or you're getting, I wasn't, getting hooks yeah, stuck in your forehead? Yeah, things weren't working. <laughs> it just didn't look right. So I'd, I'd crutch it, and I'd fall back on my conventional yeah. gear a well, buddy and i were going down there and we we're going to stay for three days and both of us were wanting to learn to fly and i mm-hmm. said i'll tell you what i'm not bringing any conventional gear that's how you got to do no it. no lures no rod no reel no yeah. nothing everything i'm going to bring this little fly box mm-hmm. and my fly rod and that's it and he said i'll do it too well we get down there and it's blowing 30 <laughs> 35 i mean just ripping well you committed then but we committed yeah. we almost went to walmart in raymondville mm-hmm. and bought us like a spinning reel, some spinning reel <laughs> and some spoons or something yeah. but now we stuck with it and we caught fish well there you go and uh, from that point on i was a fly fisherman yeah you know, that 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 made the difference mm-hmm. uh, it got me confidence in it but it was the only thing I had, so I had to do something. You want to learn a new bait, use the new bait and commit to it. Yep. Uh, and, and then all the other things you were talking about, you know, use a pool, see how it works, see how it plays, including topwaters. A lot of guys that are yep. have never thrown topwaters. I mean, it's – I was going to say it's hard. It's not hard. It's just something you have to, to learn, you know, you to, right. to use a topwater. Just do it that way. At one time, we we had these little uh, weekend kayak tournaments, mm-hmm. just a little fun, fun little get-together, like a Thursday night, whatever. And, uh, yeah. It was a one-lure and oh, i love that yeah it was a different lure different times mm-hmm. you know okay this week you have to have a spinner bait yeah you know white spinner bait or whatever oh, it was that's and that's the only brutal. thing you can throw <laughs> nothing else can be in your tackle box yeah. and it made you be a better fisherman and it taught you a lot do that, you that with your buddies on the same boat or maybe there's two boats sure it, it's a fun little thing to do yeah you and I are not that serious about mm-hmm. having to have a bunch of fish caught. Right. And I think more and more people are getting like that where it's the experience. It's the fun of being out there. It's being I want with your the buddies. fish. I don't want a lot of fish. Right. Yeah. And I just, you know, I just want to have a good time out there mm-hmm. and uh, enjoy the experience and take it all in. And that's a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're you know, looking for a, just something different to do. Right. You know, take all your buddies Take every lure away from them, throw everybody one bag of soft plastics and a couple of jig heads, and everybody gets the same color. Mm-hmm. Just randomly pick it, and let's go see what happens. Go pick the ugliest color that you can find <laughs> on the soft plastic aisle and do that, and you'll be surprised. Uh, and that goes with anything, whether it's jig heads, uh, you know, whatever. Commit practice make it interesting put a couple bucks on it the last doa event that i went to Mm -hmm. down in south padre a few months ago uh they always bring a bunch of different lures and things and ed 
was getting all the lures together, him and Brian, and they said, man, we sure do have a lot of these. It was a candy corn color. It was yellow oh. and orange in, those, and they used in the it? rat tails. He put it in everybody's bag mm-hmm. and said, I want everybody to go out there and throw this and see if, see if we can catch some fish and we'll get it mm-hmm. you know, get it going. Yeah. Everybody went out. Everybody caught fish on no it. No kidding. It was one of the more popular colors by the end of the weekend. I bet. We were hammering fish on it. Candy uh, corn. It was candy corn. It is yellow and orange. I mean, <laughs> bright. And it worked. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. Yeah. That's crazy. All right. Here we go. Red Snapper. You and I have not done a whole lot on Red Snapper. Uh, you've got some buddies that are, are uh, terrific Red Snapper fishermen. The question is, it's. I mean, they're abundant now. Uh, they're getting more abundant, and the season's starting in June and going to be a little longer. Uh, so people have uh, reached out and talked about. All right, all right. So you you know you want to be a Red Snapper fisherman. You know where do you start? What do you do? I am not nearly the expert uh, that you are uh, compared to, uh, and especially some of your friends. I've got thoughts, but I'm always wanting to, de- to defer to you guys first. I like snapper fishing mm-hmm. to a certain extent, but it's it's bottom fishing mm-hmm. for the most part. Uh, so I don't do a whole lot of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like fishing with lures. You can jig for a lot. Them. You can jig for them. Uh, the snapper slapper is one of the more popular ones mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of different heavier jigs and that type of stuff that you can drop down uh doa's got some soft plastics they're real heavy and mm-hmm. big mullet mm-hmm. imitations they're mm-hmm. just they're like the whole front end solid lead and it'll get down there to them and you can catch some really big snapper on them yeah uh, lures to me tend to catch the bigger fish mm-hmm. than bait uh, but you can use all kinds of bait as well and have a regular bottom rig sure you know with sure. a circle hook and uh, egg weight a sardine yeah. with an egg weight uh just i i don't like going real real heavy mm-hmm. when i'm doing that i want it to kind of match the current and the current's always different out there mm-hmm. uh, if you've never really been offshore much uh, the currents move and right. it, it moves left or it moves right and you know it it's always different, so you have to kind of drop down a couple of times and figure it out. Uh, I want it to get down down there pretty quick because it's got to get past trigger fish and all that right. that are up towards the top. But at the same time, I don't want it to be just this huge anchor. One thing that I was told a long time ago um, is match take take the zero off the 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 weight uh, of your line, uh, you know, the strength of your line. And make that the, the weight of your of your sinker. In other words, if you're using seventy pound test, use a seven ounce weight. I don't know if that's accurate. Probably not anymore with braid. Uh, that's what I'm saying. I don't know if that's yeah. accurate anymore, but kind of ballpark it in there, right. uh, just because the braid's lighter line now. But back in the day, with and, but you're still going to use a fluorocarbon leader because of the, you know it's, right. it's it's hard to use. Uh, so what I'm saying is just gonna, in a general sense, use 70, 80 pound, use an eight ounce uh, uh, weight, etc. But uh, and the only other thing I was told, and I want to defer back to you, is, but since we're thinking of talking about the weights here, is is I was always told to remember 
that the boat goes up and down. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> because a lot of times people will will hold uh, the rod and the, the water's going up and the, the waves are going up and down, and you're lifting the thing off. You want the bait as natural as possible with the weight on the ground. Yeah. So when the wave goes, when the boat goes up, point your rod down a little bit. When it goes down, point your rod back up, just so the weight is 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 more right. natural. Right. When fishing bait. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're fishing a jig, the boat's helping you. Yeah, you want a jig. Yeah, you know, the, mm-hmm. the boat's really helping you out. Uh, another one of the jigs that's real popular is a butterfly-style mm-hmm. jig that Jim, uh, Shimano does. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a flat-sided kind of jig, and it really flutters a lot, and you jerk it really mm-hmm. hard straight up and then let it let it settle, mm-hmm. and it flutters down, and you'll get hammered on that So fall. you can do that with just with the natural movement of the boat? You can. Yeah. Uh, if it's real you know slow rolling mm-hmm. type stuff i'd to, go ahead and jig need, yeah you need to uh, you know if it's a little rougher out there yeah it's bouncing all over the place anyway um, but you got some buddies that are really good at this what are they and, telling you uh greg verm he's a captain out of um freeport area mm-hmm. and he's got got a uh, business down there he calls uh fishing galveston mm-hmm. or freeport texas fishing mm-hmm. i ran into him at ftu the other day when we got talking about the snapper thing uh he said he's pretty much booked up in june but he had a bunch of openings in july mm-hmm. so if you've never been out offshore doing it uh it's a lot of fun it is on a boat like that mm-hmm. uh, there's head boats that are going to be out there and by head boats we mean one that's got you know 20 30 40 people on it all lined up along the rails and they take you out there in a big boat and those are okay they're party boats um they're all right Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really like doing them. I've done them a few times over the years. Everybody's done them once or uh, twice. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. You go down to Port Aransas, the Wharf Cat, and there's two of them. God, the Wharf Cat is still going. Yeah, I think so. Last time you I checked, it was. Me. Yeah, they're they're I still down. I think the Wharf Cat is the first one I ever went on. Yeah. Now that one, I was like twelve. That was not bad. It, you know, being a big old catamaran, it's yeah. just calm as it can be. I'm sure. You know? still, I'm sure it's not the same boat. Probably not. The boat. <laughs> Probably not the same boat. Uh, <laughs> but if you've been out on one of those kind kind of trips and you got turned off, because honestly, you know, you get out there and you got forty people, there's a percentage of them that are going to get sick no matter how calm it is, mm-hmm. and that turns it into a, not a lot of fun if the guy next to you's right puking up over all over your shoes. Right. So by doing a trip with Greg on one of these, they call them six pack charters. You mm-hmm. can have up to six guys. Yeah. And. Uh, it might be a little more expensive, mm-hmm. but you have the boat to yourself, and he's going to cater to you. Yeah. He's got a deckhand, and they're going to – it's a first-class operation when yeah. you go on something like that. Uh, it's just – to me, it's more fun. I've been out on it's trips more personal. like that. It's a lot more personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get to kind of dictate what you're doing that day. You talk to him and tell him, hey, we want to do a little bottom fishing, mm-hmm. and we want to catch a few snapper, but we'd really like to go out and see if we can get some kings or you know hunt some ling up or whatever Uh, whatever your passion is whatever you want to do he can kind of tailor it more towards what you want Mm -hmm. whereas on a party boat they're going to this x spot and we're going to stop here and everybody's going to drop your lines and you can change and we're going to get as the conditions happen right Um, you're you're a lot more mobile you're going to you're going to go to more places you control um it's just more fun to go on on those kind of trips mm-hmm. on those boats and, and they'll teach you too oh yeah yeah i mean you don't have to know everything on that in fact 
Most people don't. Right. Uh, most people have never been Because it's not something you do there. a lot. No. You know, I don't. I, I, I try to go at least once or twice every summer yeah. uh, on a bluebird day, you know, just to just make it easy. I, I went a couple of years ago uh, with uh, Captain Cole uh, down at uh, at Reveille Charters in Matagorda, and, and it was one of those things where, well, let's try this now. We ended up catching, you know, Dorado. We ended I mean, up, you know, you know so yeah. it depends on the condition. We saw a weed line, and he, and he pulled right over. Well, if you're on a party boat, you're probably not going to do they're that. They're not going to do that. They are, <laughs> I can tell you right now, they're not going to do, do that. They're not going to do that. But you learn a lot more. And what else is he talking about with, with the snapper season? Well, and, and snapper season? Uh, this year, set up for a – and we're talking beyond nine miles. Yeah, okay, yeah. Inside nine miles, we're open year-round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's state waters. Mm-hmm. Um, outside nine miles, his season this year is uh, June 1st to August 1st. Okay. Uh, Amberjack also has a season. This year, Amberjack starts on August 1st. Oh, that's convenient. So that day's already been booked. I talked to him about it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, August 1st has been and it's booked snapper. because he can get Snapper and Amberjack. So one of his customers already grabbed it. Hey, that. but not everybody's booked that day. So a helpful hint from yep. the Bite Me podcast. <laughs> and, uh, but he does have a lot of openings. Uh, we looked at his calendar while we were standing there, mm-hmm. and he had quite a few openings for July. Right. Uh, he had one or two maybe for June. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you you think you might want to do it jump in there on it because yeah. they're going to book up and he's going to uh, book up pretty quick you're, you're probably going to find most snapper in minimum 80 feet of water probably right 80 I to 100 mean, we find them port o'connor i mean at times at the jetties yeah uh, well yeah there know, are those we'll have a few here and there those outliers uh, but our our big area for for snapper out there we're in 35 40 50 foot of water hmm. uh we've got we got plenty of snapper. Yeah, in it's state, a good. It's in a, state waters. There's there are more than enough snapper. We're, in state we, water. That's you know we always talk about conservation and doing the right thing and all that. Snapper right now is very very healthy. Uh, that's why the seasons yep. have been adjusted and uh, people and it's delicious fish. It's a beautiful fish. Like you said, it may not be the greatest fight in the world, but but you're getting a good pull. You know, yeah. <laughs> something to keep in mind when you're looking at these charters. Uh, there's going to be a bunch of them pop up, mm-hmm. you know, advertising it. Uh, you have to have federal permits. I can't take anybody out snapper fishing for pay right? beyond nine miles. Mm-hmm. I can't. Uh, I don't have the federal permits, the federal reef fish permits. They're expensive. I'd love to have one. Mm-hmm. Somebody wants to loan me, you know, <laughs> buy me one for about ten grand. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but check and make sure that your guy that you're going out with has, has that. Because guess who gets in trouble? Everybody gets in trouble. He gets in the most trouble, but everybody on the boat is probably going to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, so make sure that your guide has that uh, ahead of time. Make mm-hmm. sure he's licensed properly. Um, Greg, obviously, he's he's licensed that way. Right. Um, something else he's got, too, that's fairly new with him. Uh, he bought a house down there. Oh, nice. He's using it as a lodge. So you can you can rent that and stay there the night before. Perfect. Because generally on these offshore trips, you're leaving you know, way before the butt crack of dawn. You're going to be getting bait. You're going to be there before yeah. light. You're going to head out. They want to be way you, offshore you're before gonna, daylight. You're going to get 80, 100 miles yeah. offshore. You're going to be out there all day. Don't plan on being home. Uh, plan on that at minimum six to six. Yeah, he does <laughs> He does trips. Uh, I was looking at his website. He does six, eight, 10, and 12-hour trips. Yeah. Uh, so he... It, like I said, it's custom. Mm-hmm. It's, what do you want to do? Yeah, you know, you want a twelve-hour trip. We can go a little further out, and we can 
do something different you know heck you never know what you're going to catch yeah. out there uh, so, so it, it's fun i'm glad we got the question we we need to give uh we need to give snapper their due uh, it, it's 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 a texas and florida of course but it's a gulf uh, uh, staple. It's it's royalty when it comes to offshore fishing in terms of taste and and fun and, and abundance and it's a beautiful fish, man. And one of the kicks, if you can pull it off, and I try it every once in a while. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, fly fishing for them, uh, you can you can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way to, that you do it is you have a weighted chum bag, mm-hmm. and you've got your your finely ground out chum. And it's got bags, got holes in it. Yeah. And you put some lead in there and you drop that sucker down and you drop it into the fish and you <laughs> shake it and then you let, it, let them get around it and they're starting, you know, they're, they're eating that chum a little bit. Well, then you bring it up, say you're in 50 feet of water, mm-hmm. bring it up 10, 15 feet, shake it again, leave it there for a few minutes, bring it up again, bring it up again, do that. It may take 30 minutes, right? It may take an hour, but you'll chum them to the surface. They're a bottom That's fish and all crazy. that, but you can get them up on the surface, and then you can start sight casting to them. You can catch a world record like and, that because ain't nobody and not a lot of people that are right. going to be doing that, right? You know, and you can you can pick out which fish you want to cast to. Yeah, you know, you see a bigger one over there. So you red snapper cast on the surface. You can get them to do it every once in a while. It's not an everyday thing. You got to be it's right on a reef or a wreck. Where you got there's a bunch of them. You got to be where there's a bunch of them. Yeah, and they've got to be hungry. So have you done it? Oh yeah, That's it's, great. It's a blast. Uh, I learned it from Chris. hell. You might have the world record. I learned it from Chris <laughs> Phillips. Yeah, uh, he used to work at Fish Tackle Unlimited. He guided, uh, guided fly fishing. One of the first fly fishing guides mm-hmm. in Galveston. And uh, I came into the store one day, and he's like, "Scott, Scott, come here, come here, come here. You ain't gonna believe this. Guess what gonna we're gonna this. do? You ain't gonna believe what I just did yesterday." And I said, "What's that?" And he started telling me about it. He says, "And then we ate three state records. It's crazy." <laughs> I said, "You did what?" And he goes. Well, we got back in and we cleaned all these fish, and then I got to thinking about. I wonder what the state record is for fly fishing for snapper. red snapper. Yeah. It's got to be. You know, we had to. We ate three. Yeah, they had three record. fish in you know, their limit that would have beaten the state record. <laughs> so that's pretty sweet. Yeah. Oh, that's good. All right. Well, that that you know, you, you, it, it's funny how things work out. That ties in with the next topic that that we got. Uh, we, we were gonna. We were asked about. We want to talk about. Uh, age-old question, man. We're back to bay fishing now. Uh, all right. How to improve casting distance. Uh, you've worked for rod companies, uh, lure companies, reel companies. Uh, you've been on the water forever. I've been on the water forever. All right. Casting distance. with, with I mean, I know it, it depends on different uh, what you're throwing, but what are, your, what are your go-to tips for improving casting distance? Uh, practice. Makes a big difference. You know, mm-hmm. you don't really think about practicing casting. Yeah. But uh, practice uh, being a little more violent with your cast, you know. Smooth, but mm-hmm. put a little more pop into it. Uh, you're going to backlash a little bit and learn it. Yeah. You know, get your thumb ready. Uh, go with a little longer rod. If that, if distance is your main thing, mm-hmm. say you're a wade fisherman, and you really want to cover some distance. You fish the surf. Yeah, uh, I used to fish the surf with a seven and a half foot rod, mm-hmm. uh, just to get a little more distance because mm-hmm. uh, I liked throwing spoons out there and throwing a spoon with a six and a half foot rod that I normally would use in the bay. Right, just didn't work out as well. I wanted to get it out a little further. Right, so a little little longer rod. You got a little more leverage. Go with a little lighter line uh, instead of instead of having that 65 pound braid that mm-hmm. you're using to 
yank redfish out of the grass Mm -hmm. drop it down to a 20 drop it down to a 10 uh try that uh there's the super tuning of the reels and all that type stuff uh that'll help right but it'll only help if you practice and it'll only help if you don't backlash right that's what i mean by practice yeah Uh, if you you can super tune a reel you can get that longer rod but if you can't control it Mm -hmm. you know you're spinning your ferrari out and running into the ditch what i always do and i've done this since i was in my 20s i mean you got to match I, I've got different lengths and different, uh, you know, uh, strengths of, of rods depending on what I'm throwing. Right. Now, I've got five. I generally keep five rods on my boat ready to go uh, for me. <laughs> I know that's a lot, but, <laughs> but, but, I, but I got I got five rods on my boat for me. And they're all they're all basically tuned in to to get the maximum uh, uh, casting distance for that rod. And I'll just give you an example if uh, if I'm if my rod off the bottom, uh, you know, working a regular old tout as we used to call it, a little uh, uh, jig head with a soft plastic, is probably a little uh, stiffer and longer because I'm casting with my wrist. You know, I'm just kind of, and so I, it's all about the torque you put on the tip of the rod. Right. And I'm I know I'm it's leverage. I, I know you know all this. I'm just talking yeah, for our listeners. It's all about for leverage. our listeners' benefit. It's all about the torque you put at the top of the rod. So I'm throwing with my wrist mostly. I know it's pretty stormy still. Uh, I'm throwing with my wrist mostly on that. All right, so now the rod that I have my famous popping cork on has a longer, uh, you know, leader on it. I it's a little whippier. I actually stretch my arm almost it, yeah. all the way out like a lever. Like yeah. I, I almost lock my elbow. That's more of a lob cast. Yeah, because I almost lock my elbow, right. and so that's a little whippier rod because I'm 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 not getting as much torque with my right. wrist. So I just kind of go straight over the top with my arm. Well, the, let the rod do the torque with more whip, and that'll get right. it out there. You so, want a slower action rod. That's yeah. where that, when you start talking rods, fast action, slow action. You, yeah. The first rod you're talking about is a very fast, extra fast action. Yeah. Uh, like the one that I got you from Fish Tackle Unlimited, that APEF. Yeah, that's a good rod. Uh, that's a really fast tip green rod. rod. Uh, it's on the green rod, but uh, mm-hmm. it's the APEF, yeah. I think, is one, one that it uh, was. It's got a really, really fast tip on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then one, uh, throwing popping corks, mm-hmm. I'd go look for an old fiberglass rod. Yeah. You know, that'd be perfect. Uh, you know, because go, you want to use know. a lever, not your wrist, not the yeah. torque. You want that rod bending more in the middle mm-hmm. and maybe even feel it in the handle that it's bending a little bit. And then that launches that cork smoothly. Right. Uh, you're not jerking it. If you throw if you throw a cork with a leader on it like that and a weight with a fast tip rod and you when you use your wrist you rip it there's your <laughs> you're gonna either have a backlash in your in your reel or your cork's gonna tumble it's gonna go straight up it's well it's gonna tumble around yeah and it's not gonna fly out aerodynamically mm-hmm. it's gonna tumble and chances are really good it's gonna twist itself up and your shrimp is going to end up on top of your cork right or your jig head or whatever you're throwing right is going to end up wrapped around the line above your cork because of that that shock mm-hmm. of the faster tip so when you're using that long lever slow and easy mm-hmm. uh, you get to use the whole rod and the rod unloads and that's what casts yep uh, that's why those the surf guys you know the big surf fishing guys that are fishing for big sharks and mm-hmm. stuff they're using these 10 12 foot long oh, yeah. rods and they get a huge amount of Torque out of their cast. But you don't always have to use those rods. No. You can throw if you like I said, if you oh, get yeah. the right rod with right. the right weight bait, just torque it at the yeah. at the right spot, you'll know how to Yeah, I'm I'm talking about the guys no, who yeah, are really the, the, the real yeah. they're really into the it. The hardcore. 
Yeah. They use these huge long rods mm-hmm. and they've got some specialized ways of casting. Right. <laughs> and then and then if I have my my slow sinking bait or top water, uh, I've got a hard bait rod. Those are my five rods by the way, you know, off the bottom cork, uh soft plastic, top water and then my hard bait and those are all I, I feel like you can tune them in with trial and error, but don't. You, it, one rod doesn't fit all by any stretch. No, let's look at the bass guys. Yeah, you know, watch any of those bass tournaments, and they'll have eight or ten rods sometimes mm-hmm. laying on the deck with a different lure on each one. Those rods are not all the same. Right, they all are just a little bit different. Uh, their their tips are different. They they bend in a different spot. They're mm-hmm. a little different length. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stiffness is different. Uh, it's all about it's as much about throwing the lure as it is working the lure though oh yeah you know because it's it's not all about how far you can cast it it's how well you work that lure and and certain actions and get it to the right spot and accuracy Mm -hmm. and certain actions are going to be better for accuracy and uh, there's search baits you know big you know big spinner bait that you're just chunking around Mm -hmm. bumping it off stuff it's you don't need to be as accurate with it Mm -hmm. then you know, if you're pitching a jig, you want it to land exactly where you want it. Right. Uh, as you're sight casting or throwing up against cover or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So then you have to have a more accurate rod. There's nothing wrong with going, like, let's say you're sitting bayside somewhere at night having a beer. Get your rod out yeah. and, and practice, yeah. you, know, you know, with it. Because you can use the pool for, uh, for for bait action and to see how bait works. But if you want to try to go accurate and, and actually check your distance and which lures fit which, fit which rods, just even if you're not really fishing, right. you know, I mean, just get out there and cast yeah. different things. And something I tell my guys is on the front of the boat because they're using my gear a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So it's not something I know they're not used to it. You know, it's it's my, my stuff. Yeah. And I, I select my rods for accuracy more so than, than distance because that's what we do. Sure. And so I'll tell them. While we're, while we're pulling along looking for fish, instead of just standing there and waiting for a fish, mm-hmm. pick something out. Pick out a piece of grass. Pick out a bubble. Pick out whatever it is. Yep. And, and practice casting to it. Mm-hmm. And just keep doing that. You may catch a fish. You know, oh, yeah. That's <laughs> chance, a benefit. You know, there's <laughs> there's an odds are that sooner or later you're going to catch a fish doing it. Yeah. But, uh, but when the fish does show up, now you haven't just been standing up there waiting and gee, I wonder if I can minutes. throw this the right way. Yeah. yeah, and that fish shows up and he's moving, and you got to make that cast. You got one shot. Mm-hmm. You know, you haven't measured yourself with that that rod and reel, right? And you haven't been practicing. I mean, when you play golf, you take two or three practice swings, right, before you hit the ball. And speaking of golf, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was just about to say, you know how golfers, it's funny how we get on the same vibe, wavelength sometimes, <laughs> uh, you know how golfers still have a swing, even great golfers still have a swing coach, uh, go to a go to a, a store, go to go to FTU and, and say, this is what I, I'm starting to throw, this is what mm-hmm. I throw, what rod fits best. Guys like you and, and and Fishing Tackle Unlimited Academy, wherever, they know what we're talking about here. It's not just trial and error. You get a head start if you ask you know, the experts. Oh, yeah. And there's times I'll be at Fishing Tackle Unlimited doing something, you mm-hmm. know, looking at rods or picking up some baits or whatever mm-hmm. I'm doing, and I end up sitting there talking rod actions with somebody. Yeah. Uh, some of the best guys to talk to in there about rod actions are back there in rod and reel repair because mm-hmm. those guys build custom rods on the side or for themselves for their yeah. friends yeah they are they're geeks about that yeah that rod action stuff right uh, it's 
it's a whole different ball game for them mm-hmm. and they they really get into the fine tuning and they know exactly what you're what you're looking for I, no, nobody's perfect I, I you know i said earlier uh kind of a, a humble brag and i didn't mean it to be like that i feel like for me i've got all my five rods tuned in perfectly for what i do how i throw and that's what it is that, that, that's all it yep. takes so practice with what you what yeah. you've got and uh, if you've got something that's not quite working out the way you doesn't have that right feel, mm-hmm. uh, then go talk to somebody about it or borrow a buddy's rod. Yeah, uh, we used to do that a lot. You know, everybody was always buying different rods, mm-hmm. and uh, hell, let me throw your rod for a See, It's like a golf club too. Hey, let yeah. me hit that. Yeah, there's <laughs> let different. Let different me hit shafts. that. See how it feels. There's a reason that the, the <laughs> same manufacturers who manufacture golf club shafts yes are rod and that, real and that they're still and they're made out of the same materials same too. materials titanium same <laughs> same kind of uh, mm-hmm. thought process goes into it right all right when do you freeline shrimp it's a good question we're getting into freeline shrimp territory this time of year aren't we yeah getting close yeah uh, anytime the trout are on the jetties mm-hmm. uh, that's that's my freeline and shrimp area is around the jetties uh, I used to do it a lot around San Luis Pass as well, under the bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think of freelining shrimp with uh, structure. You know, that's bulkheads, uh, docks, yeah, rigs. You know, we used to have all the gas rigs out in the bay, mm-hmm. and we freeline shrimp around there a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why, but that's just what I associate freeline shrimp with. Right, I could see it working about anywhere, but. You can't cover much water freelining right. shrimp. Right, and that's so why. you need to have some kind of hard structure or something mm-hmm. like that to concentrate on and and that's drawing fish in already for you. Right. The other thing is when you're freelining shrimp, um, y- you go through the tail freelining shrimp for the most part, right? Right? Yeah. Uh, from, from the bottom up. And the and and the reason is I go I've I've gone but I'm going to start doing what you're doing because I think it'll work better I've gone through the you know the, the horn the horn, but um, a shrimp's natural defense mechanism is to to push back kick back okay yeah, yeah kick back mm-hmm. uh, so I think it, through the tail it looks a lot more natural than through the horn if we're, yeah. when when a shrimp when you're reeling and it kind of it's a live shrimp it'll kind of kick back. That's that's basically right. what you're looking for. Well, think about the way a shrimp swims. You know, go look in a bait tank mm-hmm. and watch how they swim. They they swim flat. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you put that hook in from underneath the tail, and then you're freelining, you can let him swim, and he'll swim straight away from you in whatever direction. You know, with current and whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you hook it through that horn, it's just kind of draped there. Yeah. And if you if there's any now you've changed my mind on this so if it's in his tail mm-hmm. and there's any tension on the line you know if you you're not completely free lining right him, he still looks natural mm-hmm. he's still swimming and he's still upright mm-hmm. if you've hooked him through the head and there's a little bit of tension on your line now he's just kind of draped there it, it kind of i think his head probably goes down or, right. or way too far back yeah he, he's he's cocked kind mm-hmm. of funny mm-hmm. and what you'll find a lot of times too is any kind of current like at the jetties they'll start spinning right it'll it really looks unnatural then mm-hmm. uh so that's that's why i've always just done it through the tail mm-hmm. just i think it's a more natural presentation yeah no i think I'm, I'm i'm doing that now whenever i whenever i do get to to, to shrimp season uh it's mostly jetties uh and, and the benefit is it's just a free natural it, it lets the, the bait 
swim more. The how-to is is basically make sure you can cast far enough and up yeah. on up on the structure, right? I mean, there's no right. real secret here. And freelining can be zero weight, mm-hmm. you know, which is harder to throw. Uh, if I'm going to freeline, I know I was going to freeline all day, and that's what I'm thinking I'm going to do when I head out. I'm going to have a spinning rod because mm-hmm. uh, you can throw it with a spinning rod. Yeah. Baitcaster would be pretty tough to get that, right. get a get a shrimp that's completely unweighted uh, to land out there. Right. But depending on how much current you have, you know the jetties. It's different throughout the day how much how fast that current's running. Mm-hmm. You might want to put a little piece of split shot on there as well. Uh, uh, that's just what those, I would do. Those little pinch on split shot. Yeah, just weights. get one or two little pliers yeah, and try one. Yeah, and then throw it out there. And if if your shrimp is if he's staying up way too close to the surface for you, mm-hmm. yeah, as it's, it's getting swept along, you want it just to kind of settle slowly and naturally yeah. through the water column. Uh, if if the current's sweeping him mm-hmm. and it just pulling him around too quick, then go with a little bit more weight. Right. You know, just keep adding one, two, three. If you get more than about three pieces of split shot on there, mm-hmm. you probably shouldn't be free shrimping. You probably shouldn't be. Yeah. And I will say this, it's fun. No, you know, it's I, I don't do it a lot. I've done it in the past for, yeah. you know, I go in little kicks, so right. to speak, you know. It's, it's a fun thing to do. You, and you catch everything because mm-hmm. everything eats a shrimp. Uh, I found that that's a real good way to catch sheep's head on the jetties. Oh, boy, is it. Uh, and then also these little mangrove snapper that have come mm-hmm. along in the last few years and gotten real popular. Uh, they, they will jump up and yeah. come grab a shrimp that's just floating through the rocks. And that's the other part of free shrimping around the rocks and the structure. Mm-hmm. You don't hang up as much. If you've got lead, lead's going to find a crack in the rocks. It's yeah. going to find a hole. And, get and it's going to go in there and you're going to get hung up. If you're free shrimping, it just kind of bounces along there and you can get it closer to the rocks, which is where all the little snapper and stuff like that are yeah. hiding up in those rocks. And snook. Now, don't forget them. Snook will hit there live are, shrimp on a free line, man. There are snook and they're up in the, and they're up in those cracks. That's what they do. They're up in those cracks. They live in those holes. <laughs> that's exactly right. Talk to anybody that's ever been on a dive trip around any of the jetties where there's clear enough water. Yeah, uh, I know some guys that do that, and they go out and they pick up anchors and resell them. <laughs> <laughs> and they hey, will, it'll it'll pay for the trip. Oh yeah, you, you lose a lot of anchors out of the jetties. Yeah, and uh, they'll tell you, man, there are some big old snook. That's all awesome. up in these rocks, and nobody ever catches them. That'd be something to try. Get yeah. get down underwater on the jetties and, and see what you see. Yep. Um, I remember the biggest – I was probably in college, maybe even high school. Uh, biggest sheephead I, to this day probably. Um, I think it was 10-plus pounds I ever caught was on a free-line shrimp on the jetties. Yep. I mean a big old sheep head, sheep's head. Yeah, I put a buddy of mine on one at St. Louis Pass mm-hmm. one year. It was like, that, second, like that? Yeah, second or third year of the star tournament. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he had one. It was a nine. I want to say it was like nine fourteen. It was yeah. just under ten pounds. Yeah, they were out and there, man. It was huge. <laughs> they were out there. And we caught it like the Got second. Got that big smile on their face. Yeah. It was like the second <laughs> week of the, of the uh, contest. Yeah, and, you know, the contest runs from Memorial Day to Labor Day. Yeah. Well, he sweated it the whole entire. And there was no computers back then, and so you had to call check. in. He or, would call the bait yeah. camp that that kept up with it and had a had a big chart out there mm-hmm. he'd call it bait camp every other day am i still leading am i still leading <laughs> and he was leading through the whole thing the last Don't week tell me he got beat two times oh. he ended up in third 
So the first place was a boat. He got a twenty five dollar gift card. <laughs> he, I think he got a nice. I think it was an ice chest and a hundred dollar gift and card. Some, no, it wasn't even that. Yeah. I mean, it was worth maybe a hundred dollars total. Yeah. The little prize package after leading the whole way. He had been leading the whole time, and that was a a brand new boat, motor, and trailer. Oh, it's yeah. a good time to remind everybody. I know we you know we talk about it leading into the show, but for God's sakes, if you got someone fishing with you even if it's just once or twice get them registered man go ahead and register even if it's a kid yes you know, it, you know if you're just bringing the nephew out mm-hmm. for the one time one time yeah that's all it takes yep and, and that's can, usually how it works and they can get themselves a nice scholarship and yep. college be paid for yep and you can if it's you yeah. if it's a buddy of yours you know right. they're gonna get a boat and a trailer and all that uh, another question from the same person. He had two questions about freelining shrimp. I know what this guy was up to. He lives on the water somewhere because he talked about freelining shrimp, and he also talked about green lights and lights fishing docks, bulkheads, and piers. So uh, for answering your question, you're going to have to let me stay at your place at least one weekend. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Not really. Uh, green lights are interesting. Uh, I love doing that, too. Uh, that That's my post-fishing fishing, fishing. Yeah, yeah, a lot of times. You know, I go out fishing on my boat, go, go start grinding with all my artificials uh, a lot of times after dinner or whatever i'll turn on the lights and the green light and just sit there and you know i usually just watch yeah i, yeah. I just like watching the, the, the kids and yeah know, i watch all the little shrimp and the oddball things that come into the lights mm-hmm. and then you start seeing a little flash and most of the time it's a little bitty trout yeah for the most part last weekend i was doing it we mm-hmm. were sitting down there at, uh, at the end of lane road yeah at fish camp uh, sitting there with my buddy Stephen Plant and just having a couple of beers, just talking, and the the fish were going nuts in the lights. Some of the biggest sheep's head, huge sheep's That's head, fun. were coming up in there and eating these little shrimp, and then uh, start seeing reds. Mm-hmm. Reds start swimming. I've caught some nice red fish, it. not so many big trout, but I've caught a There's, couple. Nice every trout. once in a while, yeah. you get a big trout. It's um, us- a trout in the lights is usually on the far outside edge. Mm-hmm. He's right on the edge. Again, because Again, he's a tiger. Because he is a tiger. As I often say. He's hunting. Yeah. And he'll sit up way out there on the edge. He's a so, predator. So work those edges of the lights if that's well, what that's you're Well, that's a great, do. that's one of the points I was going to make. I've got a lot of experience with this because I've got a lot of experience, you know, sitting and drinking beer. Uh, and so, <laughs> so I got a lot of experience with green lights and lights and fishing docks and stuff. Here's, here's what I always, I almost, I laugh about it, but I always tell people there is truly, truly no excuse for not matching the hatch when you're fishing green lights and lights. And the reason is you see the darn bait. And I don't know how many times I've seen guys that, well, let me, let me, I'm talking about when you're not fishing, you know, live Mm -hmm. shrimp. Let me, let me throw my lure out there and see what I get. And it's like a purple and a white tail, (laughs) you know, big old giant. Full-size mirror lure. And I did this with a full-size mirror lure. And I, I, I did this with a buddy not long ago. And I'm like, dude, you see the bait right there. Get something clear or light, which is another thing I often, if I'm throwing a lure under the lights, uh, trust me on this, it clear and light clear works. or white is what you want because it's glass minnows a lot of times. Yep. Glass minnows are all over the place. You don't want to throw a big old purple bait, you know, when there's a lot of glass minnows there. And I, I, know I get wanting to be different and have it look different. But if you're going to be fishing there, I would I would highly recommend if you want to try some lures when the kids are you know soaking shrimp or something, clear, small, light, or white. Go look at the crappie baits mm-hmm. for bass assassin, and they make a little bass assassin that's a crappie crappie size. It's only 
inch, inch and a half yeah. long. Get you one of those and with some clear with some sparkle in it or something. Yeah, some sparkle. And uh, very, very little weight because it, the, if you watch the fish are coming up to eat stuff that's kind of cruising on top most mm-hmm. of the time. Mm-hmm. So you want to imitate that. Well, what I see a lot of people doing is putting a lead head. You know, they got a one-eighth ounce jig head on sure. a typical paddle tail soft plastic. They're throwing it out and they're working it in fast enough to keep it up in the light. It's moving too fast. Yeah. It's unnatural. Yeah. So, it, but if you slow it down, it drops out of the strike zone and it's dropping down into the bottom, now, which sometimes that works mm-hmm. on those fish. It's something worth trying is to drop down there mm-hmm. below the light and see what happens. But uh, one of the very best and something that I've done for years, they make those clear little floats. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, the little, little looks like a cigar float. Yeah, like a little cigar. Yeah. It's a clear plastic float. Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. And uh, you can slide it onto your line. Yeah. Uh, it's just basically, it's not a popping cork. It just helps you know, it's it keep kind of it in, bullet the, shape. In, in the zone. Right. Yeah. And then go get you a fly, go to the fly shop, even if you don't fly fish, mm-hmm. and get you some little shrimp flies, little bonefish size mm-hmm. eights, uh, sixes, eights. Something along those lines, or yeah. little bitty bait fish flies. Yeah, just go over and look and get the small stuff. Think mm-hmm. about what you see in the lights mm-hmm. and uh, get those. Yeah, tie that onto your line. Put that clear float above it, yeah. maybe a foot, foot and a half. Now toss that out there. I'm gonna try that. And the fly has thought of that. The fly is completely weightless. Yeah, and it'll just kind of hover there. Mm-hmm. And I promise you that's it, good information right there it yeah. works really really yeah, well i bet it does it sounds like it works if you're not a fly fisherman, if you're fly fisherman bring a fly bring a fly and you know, do it bring That'd a fly be a I, I, I do that all the time yeah it's a blast uh i don't grind nearly as much because i just to me it's just like like no, it's, it's, it's decompressed it's fishing completely recreational. <laughs> yeah. this is total recreation yeah but you'd be surprised if you you know you can catch some fish like i said clear and and yeah. uh and, and make sure that uh that you use the, the green lights the right way, get out on the edges and all that. The one, way we did it, mm-hmm. when green lights first came out, they were like three or four foot long bulbs. Yeah. You know, the long, They're that fl- was the only kind of fluorescent yeah, bulb. Yeah. And we would take them out to the jetties. I did we, that. We'd go park at the jetties. I did that in Port O'Connor to, a lot. Port O'Connor, we did the uh, Ranzas. Mm-hmm. We did Galveston a lot, too. And we would use the bottom of the boat as a reflector. Mm-hmm. And we had ropes the way we had set it up. God, we did the exact same thing. Underneath the boat, yeah. and then that reflected it right down. Right off the side of the boat, a little 48-inch fluorescent yeah. off the side, right underneath the side of the boat. Right. I bet you you and I did the same thing we at the same place. We were probably sitting next to each other. Because you know that little, uh, <laughs> when you go to the jetties in, in Port O'Connor, there's that one little uh, kind of calm area mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of a hook, uh, the rocks kind of hook around. Called the spur. The spur. I couldn't yep. remember. I've I've done green lights there a yep. hundred times. Um, that's one of our that was one of our spots. Going to sit, and there was always two or three other boats out that there. That was probably one of them. Yeah. And, uh, but we would you talk about matching the hatch? We mm-hmm. would bring a little dip net, yeah, you know, like your little bait net mm-hmm. that you dip your shrimp with, mm-hmm. and we'd catch the glass minnows up on top next to the boat and then hook you... them through the lip with a little split shot on it and drop it down there towards the bottom of that boom. light. Boom. Yeah. Every single time. Got some nice trout there, too. And we, we, <laughs> going out to the jetties, we caught some really nice trout doing yeah. it. Yeah, you much, can do it. Much better than fishing at the piers. Oh, yeah. Uh, the piers are generally going to be those 12 to 14-inch, 15-inch fish for oh, the most yeah. part. Oh, yeah. Uh, one more thing here, and, and maybe I'm just an idiot. I, I Somebody was showing me this, 
and I wanted to just bounce it off of you because uh, I, I, I remember seeing this probably when I was 12 years old, 50, 40 years ago. Uh, but somebody was was talking about how do I how do I, I I caught I lost two trout or two fish whatever it was on the on the pier one of the I think it was Galveston Pier, and trying to get it up and couldn't reach with his net and everything. So this I I remember this story. Uh, you've probably done this before. I I I I'd completely forgotten about it. A guy got had a, a regular old net, you know, a landing net, put a couple of weights on the on the tip of it on the end of it, tied a rope on one end, and and had it hanging off the side of the pier, even with the water. Right. So whenever he would hook a fish, he would, un, you know, he would kind of lower the net into the water and 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 move the yep. fish into the net and then pull up the rope uh, to, to <laughs> land his fish. I'm like, this is genius. Yeah, it would work. <laughs> this uh, is genius. One of the ways we did. Uh, I fished piers a lot when I was a kid. I was yeah. a pier rat, man. Yeah. There was many times I brought my books from school yeah. out onto the pier and sat out there at night. Once yeah. I started driving. Yeah. And. Uh, got myself in trouble a few times doing it staying way too long but we had uh these is like a crab net mm-hmm. you know the the ones that are just a big ring yeah and you drop it down you got a chicken deck in and the middle of it and you pull them up yeah we had bigger versions of that mm-hmm. and that's what we would drop down you could drop it down under the fish yeah work the fish over to it and then and then lift it, it took two people yeah you know but you always had other people around on the pier i'm like uh, maybe i'm just dumb yeah and we would <laughs> we'd grab that you know whoever was on the net would drop it down there and hold it just steady yeah whoever's on the rod work his fish over there to it yep. and as it went across the top of it the guy on the net It'd be quick, mm-hmm. and then you start picking it up. But it, it, it was, it's genius. It really is. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> think I ever saw anybody do it way you're talking yeah, about with a regular. On a regular, on a regular yeah. like a waiting, like, like a waiting net, working just fine. Tied a, a, a rope on the end, weights on the other, put it to the right depth, and just, just roll the fish right in there. Because yeah. it's frustrating losing a good fish on a pier, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty good haul. Well, one way that we saw that some people would do it out there is – uh, as I got older, I realized it's highly illegal. Uh, <laughs> is snagging? Oh yeah. And we, we, the other guys. I, I didn't. You never. Did I didn't it. involve myself with it. <laughs> yeah. But a big, big snag hook. Yeah. It's a big, huge treble hook with, mm. that's got lead on it. Yeah. You know, built around the treble, and on a rope. As you get it, and you get, you'd fight the fish. Yeah. It's not truly snagging fish. Yeah. But if it was a fish you were going to keep. Mm-hmm. You know, throw that snag hook in there, and grab it, and then, then you can pull it up. It's basically a, yeah. a, a sort of a gaff, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know how the game warden would have looked at yeah, it if he'd have walked out well. there and seen it. Probably that. not good. Shout out to all the game wardens. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he'd have, he'd have really appreciated that. Of course, that was back in the late 70s. 70s, probably. <laughs> there were no game wardens. Uh, no, there was game wardens. <laughs> yeah, I know there were. I know there were. They're doing God's work, man. They really are. I, 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 I watched that uh, Lone Star Law with the game yep. wardens and stuff. Oh, those people, they work hard, man. I've told you. I've, that's the direction I intended to go yep. when I got into law enforcement was yep. game warden. They're, they truly are doing God's work for uh, for the environment and the animals and and everything else. All right, man, this is a fun show. Um, we're going to be back next week uh, with the Bite Me podcast. Don't forget to to uh, uh, to subscribe. Don't forget to reach out to Captain Scott Knoll if you want to. It's tarpon season just about. You're going to be hitting it for real in a couple of weeks, yep. less than a couple of weeks. Every chance I get right now, I'm going out and looking. Yeah. And uh, we're just starting to see them, just starting to show up. Right. Uh, one or two here and there. It's not enough where I would tell somebody, hey, come on down. Right. 
pay me for the full day of guiding because right. we might see a tarpon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna. It's gonna be another couple of weeks after that. Yeah, but we're getting close. So hit up Captain Scott on on his uh, website, CaptainScottNoll.com. You can message him there, but you can also message him on Facebook. Uh, of course, he's still doing the polling, uh, the polling trips for redfish and such. Uh, and I'm out fishing. If you see me out, uh, lately I've been uh, spending a lot of time out at East Matagorda Bay. Just uh, give me a shot, give me a wave, and uh, uh, we'll cut it up a little bit. We'll chop it up a little bit. Really enjoy doing this, guys and girls, and uh, we will talk to you next time.